Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are going to talk about episode two of season three of Star Trek Discovery, titled Far From Home, not the Spider-Man movie of the same name. Uh, like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the tech story himself. Carrie Brown, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Ready to discuss another great episode. And from the Ready Room Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, we have Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, man? I am doing great, man. Doing great. I agree with Carrie. I'm ready to discuss this absolutely wonderful episode. So let's get going. Cool beans. Also in the Ready Room Studios, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm once again glad to be here. And let me echo what everyone else has said so far. I'm ready to discuss this great, wonderful episode. Who's Dorian? What do you think, man? How you doing? I'm not going to break the chain of positivity that's going on. I'm just going to say that I can't wait to discuss this absolutely fantastic episode. Awesome sauce. Like I said, always, you can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review, telling a friend, have an idea or a suggestion. Please send that in along with any you know comments about the show to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all of the social medias. And yeah, don't forget to subscribe. If you're hearing this, just go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you are listening on. So I don't have any news. I don't think there's been much. Do you guys have anything? Did we talk about the Picard prequel yet? It's a book. Oh, it's a book. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's a book. Yeah, that's they kind of left left that out of the headline. So there's a, a Troy Riker Titan featured prequel that is a book, not a show. <laughs> I don't know why comicbook.com didn't put book in the headline. Uh, weird. Um, but yeah, there is a prequel coming in the form of um, a Star Trek Picard prequel book uh, featuring those two. So that that should be interesting. Maybe we'll see Bomber Bomber in that book somewhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, man? It's the same time period. You just killed it for Jonathan. Right? <laughs> right. Oh, boy. So, the news that I have, the Janeway Collective, which is a thing I didn't know about. Uh, I guess it's just a group of Janeway fans, or I'm not real sure. I didn't do a lot of research into it. But they have unveiled a Captain Janeway statue in her fu- in Janeway's future birthplace in Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> so, it'll be a bronze bust of Captain Catherine Janeway. Uh, so that bit of small news and well let me let me come in on that real quick i did actually tune into the facebook live presentation of that uh yeah the bust the statue itself looks pretty freaking cool uh great work done on on sculpting that it looks just like you know the janeway of old and yeah they did an excellent job on it it actually was a lot of people out at that event so that was cool to kind of tune into on the saturday why you know i was doing nothing basically and saw that pop up on my Facebook feed. So it was pretty cool. You know, and uh Catherine McGrew herself actually uh Skyped in um to the to the event and had some kind words to say and said that someday in the future she would be visiting was it Bloomington, Indiana? Yeah, Bloomington, Indiana. It so that is her in the show, and I don't remember which episode it was, it was mentioned that she was born in Bloomington in Bloomington, Indiana. I need to go back and watch that. I can't exactly remember the episode, but it was a good one, though. But yeah. Yeah. What other piece of news do you have, sir? Um, also, and I mentioned this before about the uh, website I went on to, and the actual name of that website was 
Gosh, uh, we got this covered.com. You had a rumor that there would be a Cisco series coming. Uh, they said Avery Brooks, well, CBS approached Avery Brooks about a series, maybe a spinoff from DS9 or a revival of DS9. Uh, so then that has again been repeated by two other websites, one called Geekosity and this most recent one is giant freaking robot neither of these sites i've ever heard of but these are three sites that are claiming to have inside knowledge that the conversation is happening the only person confirmed through these sources to be talking to cbs is avery brooks uh but he's telling cbs the only way he'll do it if they bring in uh Sirach lofton and mm. to come in as his son jake so nothing in production, nothing guaranteed in stone, but these conversations are supposedly happening from three different places and three different sources. Oh, man. I personally don't believe it, but <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? You think this is a possibility? Because I'm a DS9 man, I'm ho- I'm like very optimistic. Like I'm just going to say that it's true because I want it to be true. Uh, but again, I'll say these websites are not websites that I've ever gotten any information from. Yeah. Nor have I heard anyone else getting information from. So the, who knows? The only thing that makes me feel like that that's just a clickbait type story is the fact that he wants the gentleman that played his son to be in it. Because I would think as an esteemed actor as he is, he would know that the guy that played the son may not be in a place to, he may not even be acting now. So yeah, that's the only thing that makes me wonder if it's true. Right. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, there, I mean, Reddit is always filled with people <laughs> pushing rumors that are made up and fake or true. I mean, for the longest they've been saying that they're going to cancel discovery. <laughs> so, right. so I don't know, man, I'll take it with a grain of salt. And I'm not waiting with bated breath, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, well, we are ready to get in our discussion of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 2, Far From Home, which aired October 22nd, 2020, and once again directed by Alatande Asunsame. After the USS Discovery crash lands on a strange planet, the crew finds themselves racing against time to repair their ship. Meanwhile, Saru and Tilly embark on a perilous first contact mission in hopes of finding Burnham. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So let's go around the horn and get the high level opinions of this episode. And let's go in reverse order. Let's start with you, Cal. What did, what did you think, man? So usually I don't like being wrong, but I'm okay being wrong if I had a lot of fun with the episode that proved me wrong. And I had a (laughs) lot of fun with the episode that proved me wrong. There were some cool scenes that I had in here, and it was something that really kind of freaking creeped me out. But other than that, I really had fun with this episode. So do we want to let the people know what you may have been wrong on? Because I'm not sure I remember exactly. So my theory at the end of last review was that they had already, they being the crew of Discovery, had already landed in the past. And obviously that didn't happen. But I'm okay with that. 
because I hadn't, again, had fun with this. Yeah, and we'll come back to that. But to me, it's almost like Discovery lays the breadcrumbs out there too readily. And I guess I'll come back to that later. But we'll, we'll actually we'll talk about it in a second when we talk about the preview for this episode that we got at the very beginning. But uh, Jeremy, what do you think, man? What's your high level view of this episode? Man, I think it laid a good foundation, hopefully for the rest of the season. And it built nicely off of the previous episode where the previous episode was all Michael. This episode was everyone else. Yeah. And we got to focus on everyone else. And I think that was a nice little refreshing change. And I, mean, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What's about you, John? Oh, man. This, this episode was amazing for me. And hopefully we don't get into it and start picking parts that I'm thinking, you know what? I didn't notice that. That sucks. But it was an amazing episode. Uh, I think it hit all of the expectations I had for the second episode. Uh, it progressed the story along just the way I would love it to be. Um, and me personally, man, I got a little bit of a uh, firefly feeling from this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely. We'll get into it, but you know, um, Gene Roddenberry himself, uh, once, well, before I guess before they officially named it Star Trek, he said the show was, was a, rack, a wagon train to the stars. And that this, this episode is definitely hearkening back upon that original Western and space mentality that maybe, uh, Roddenberry had in mind, uh, a yes. new, new frontiers, so to speak. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into it. Carrie, what do you think, man? Overall, I enjoyed the episode. Um, you guys are probably going to like think I'm an idiot, but I actually enjoyed this episode more than the premiere. I think this episode should have been the premiere, but that's a whole nother discussion. But that's just to say, I really like this episode. Hmm, interesting. As for me, I very much enjoyed this episode. I personally didn't think it was better than the premiere, um, but I do think it's a good entry. There's a few parts of this episode that I really take huge issue with because I don't think they furthered the story any it was it felt very disjointed and we'll, we'll get into that later but but other than that I, I thought it was a good fun um somewhat action-filled romp that I, I really enjoyed yeah so first let's just talk about the recap that we got at the very top of the episode and you know Discovery is always laying out these clues these breadcrumbs and these recaps to maybe what's going to happen uh, in the episode and maybe in the season. So some things about this recap that specifically jumped out at me. The f the first one is that the show made a real point to show or to 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 see Admiral Karen saying um, when, when talking about Leland that he'll never he's he'll never stop coming. He'll find you. I just found that kind of interesting that they showed that clip. And then, you know, we, we see them showing Leland dying and I have a strong suspicion. <laughs> I hope you it's not know true. What you're about to say. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> I hope it's not true, man. And, and I, believe, I think it is. I know what you're about to say. I hope Leland isn't coming back. And we'll, we'll get into it. We, we just talk a little bit further about K, uh, uh, Detmer in a minute, minute, because that's what I think is related to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope Leland isn't coming back. I hope control is gone. And, you know, we have this data this data is still here. So who's to say a thousand years from now that the future won't get destroyed by this Karen entity data? It's like, hadn't this woman been through enough? Like, do they really? <laughs> Boy. All right. 
Boy, or was that a misdirection? Hmm. I don't think it was. They kept hitting you over the head with it. I don't think it was yeah. misdirection. Yeah, they they the, <laughs> Discovery tends to lay out very obvious breadcrumbs. You know, I, I think maybe their best mystery so far has been um, uh, Lorca. I mean, nobody saw that coming. But but it just seems a little bit too obvious with this. I don't know. That's the thing that makes me mad is they didn't even have to foreshadow this. It could have been like a mid-season, like, like just bomb or something. But that like, would have been awesome. That would have I would have appreciated that more than them just breadcrumbing it. Yeah, but we don't know it to be true. But, you know, it, it seems like it seems like <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into the details just a little bit later. And also, from my opinion, I totally forgot about Stamets getting. Did he get stabbed in um, the last episode or what happened exactly? I don't yeah, quite remember. Pulled- he pulled a wash, if I'm not mistaken, since somebody mentioned Firefly earlier. <laughs> I think that was in the finale of last that he got hurt, wasn't it? I th- it was. was it he got time? impaled by a shard or something. Yeah. Was it Leland? I or so. Was it just like no, a ship no, I think it was just like... It was an accident yeah. in the chaos. I don't hmm. remember the exact part of it, but like I don't know if he fell on something or something went through him or... Hmm... Well, uh, let's let's go ahead and get into this episode. Um, how do we feel about this? What I feel is a pretty solid action sequence to start the episode with, you know, probably mirroring a little bit to what happened to Burnham. You know, we have a discovery coming in and crashing, hurling toward this unknown planet. Um, do we like how this whole sequence played out? Any thoughts on that? When uh. When I first saw this, I was thinking of Detmeyer doing donuts in space. That's probably <laughs> one of my favorite scenes of hers. And I was just, that's what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. See, I kind of thought that it gave an opportunity of something we don't get to see often, which is showcasing the other people that are not the main three or four members yeah. of the cast. But yeah, I think that's one reason I enjoyed this episode so much is because there wasn't really a lot of focus on one character. They kind of you kind of got to see what the crew was, you know, what the crew literally, no pun intended, has been up to. You know, they they kind of went around everybody. And I love that. Yeah. Any thoughts, John? Uh, man, I, so this whole this whole sequence, I, it just kind of gave me two two episodes of previous trick came to mind. Uh, and it was the the one from the movie where the uh, Inter- Enterprise D crashed on the planet like the saucer section in generations yeah that that was and i think i mean as far as a big ship crashing on a planet i think that's kind of the bar that's set yeah to equal to um and i think they did a good job albeit we got like a longer sequence of the ship crashing in generations uh but didn't this seem kind of this story kind of seem oddly familiar to a voyager episode you guys, are you talking about Tomlin? Yeah, crashing into the ice and all that. Uh, but I think Dittmer was probably a better pilot than Tom Paris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, you're right. Yeah. Huh. I did. I did read a review, and somebody made a point. Made a good point. You know, the discovery at during the crash, their inertial dampeners. No one said that they were out. So whereas on timeless Voyager, like the ship was completely dead, like inertial dampeners were gone, the deflectors were gone, they had no phasers to soften the blow. So I mean, it's a difference. But in Voyager, everybody died, and in Discovery, everybody lived. So yeah, Reese Reese has some good handiwork with that. Um, I don't know, is you know the deflector or phasers to uh, break up the ice as they were crashing. So I thought that well, was- they, they say it was a 
anti-graviton beam, but oh. it looked a lot like phasers to me. Yeah. Yeah. So they inverted the deflector shields and use anti-graviton beam to soften the blow and they had inertial dampener. So how how dare you not mention the third crash and more recent prominent crash in Star Trek history? Uh Crisis Drunkle. Point Cerritos. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> See how easily I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, not much of the single now. <laughs> um, yeah, and and for me, like all the things you guys said um, about, I, I love how they kind of started off that entire sequence with this, you know. Um, d- uh, uh, Janet, Jet Reno, I want to say Janet Reno. Jet Reno, uh, talked about, you know, maybe it was the, the force of the, the wormhole that caused them all to be blacked out. But I like how it started sort of like a horror flick in, in a way of where they were all just knocked out. And we get to see this cool moment of when Saru comes to first and he's just like, you know, getting everybody up and ready and started barking out orders. And, you know, again, like, like I think it was Kyle just mentioned Detmer. I love how she had this great idea, you know, of of doing a I think she said a roll to actually a thermal roll, a thermal roll to um to to prevent, you know, uh, some of the reentry damage. And I just I just love the whole sequence of how Saru kind of just took charge of the whole thing. And they all kind of came together. And it was a great opportunity to see just different different bridge crew that we haven't seen much of again like jeremy said i think the last time i heard detmer mention was the donut thing in season two um <laughs> uh, the donut maneuver so yeah it was, it was cool to see everybody you know to see reese called out specifically and we get calls to different members of the crew throughout the rest of the episode so yeah and we'll bring it up some more but i just liked how we start off kind of in that vein and this was very much a a great development episode for Saru. Yes. Like yeah. I, even down, listen, man, his walk is so cool. Like, <laughs> Dude, I noticed that hands. too. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care what it is. Like, he's just like pimped out. Type it's walk. Like, no, it's no, awesome. them hate us. He just needs a purple suit, man. That's all <laughs> he needs. <laughs> Pimp ain't slick back. Sorry. <laughs> So I want to ask real quick, you know, after we land, we get on the planet. The ship is down in one piece. Thank goodness. Kayla Detmer's condition afterwards. So it felt a little weird to me that, you know, of course, she could have had a concussion, but she went to sick bay and they said she was fine. But she's still obviously shaken up. So that made me wonder, are the writers going from for some post-traumatic stress thing, or, are, or is it really what I think it is that Leland isn't gone, that he might have inhabited her? She, she got hexored. <laughs> she got what, Karen? She got hacked. Uh. <laughs> I mean, look, look, like, literally, like, that whole episode, she was in, she was, she was in just as much, well, I say episode, the intro, she was in no more danger than other crew members, and everybody else was fine, the bridge members, Everybody else was fine. You know, she banged yeah, her head, right. but it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, where am I? You know, so I think I, that is what happened. OK, so I'm not trying to be funny, but this is going to come across funny. OK, so I, somebody hits their head that that's bad enough. You hit your head. 
But if your head is part computer, who's to say that that didn't break something in the computer part of her brain? Well, like, this is what I was thinking. Bear with me for a second. So she, there's like a hard bump and she rolls and hits the floor, right? So like, Georgiou's been walking around in those boots that she curb stomped leaving with, right? <laughs> and like, maybe he like, like maybe some of his residue was on the floor when she rolled down. And then that's how she, yeah. Huh. I'll see myself out. Hey, you may be right. Yeah, when I think of like cybernetic beings on that ship, she's like number two right behind Arium that I can think of right off the top of my head. So it's just they made a point to show Giorgio's boots, like yeah, and the stuff and the guy scooping up the stuff that oh that was funny when um I can't remember her name oh dude. Like, I forgot you already <laughs> yeah yeah no it was um Gene my name's Gene actually. Talking about the dude that was scraping up the... Yeah, yeah, scraping <laughs> up the remains. That guy. Hazmat. So I yeah, thought hazmat, he yeah. completely disintegrated at the end of the finale of last season, but now you've got gook left over. Well, it was Leland with with control in his brain. So I was, I was a little surprised that there was matter left over, too. So I, I don't think they would even... They would even make the effort to show that unless there was a reason. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. Because because if you look back, it looks like he just disintegrated completely in the in the spore chamber. Yeah. And I guess that would be my only problem is, like you said, at the top of the episode, it's it was a very obvious setup, almost too obvious, like out of the way obvious. Yeah. See, I'm not thinking that at all, though, because I'm I was when I saw that, I was thinking, you know, she's you know, they've had this burn, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. And there's nobody else that I've seen with like any kind of obvious cybernetic implants or anything. And I'm wondering if that had anything to do with it. If she's somehow hmm. being affected by what's happened, you know, through the wormhole, you know, if, if, if it's something else affecting her. Hmm. That would be a good twist. That's that's a good theory because that will get to it. But that tool that is it Cal is using on the colony Looks an awful lot like the um, synthetic tool that was used in Picard. Ah, I didn't put that together. Hmm. hmm. See, that's what I'm. That, that's what I. That's where I'm leaning towards. Well, let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's. So we we crash. We are assessing the damages. The communications are out, and they're. <laughs> And they have no way to fix. Well, they can repair it in six hours if they have enough rubidium to actually fix the device, which there are no doobies that they even have enough. So that leads that leads Saru and Tilly to actually venture off to a colony that they, they have scanned for and found that it has rubidium. And, you know, also first contact, found out what time they're in, all the other good stuff. So they can't really contact Burnham because communications is down. And they don't know what time they they are in because other systems are down. So the the mission pretty much now is to, you know, repair the ship and try to get back in the skies and get communications going so they can find Burnham. So there's a showdown between Saru, Emperor Jojo, and you have Nan there as well as Tilly. First off, I didn't I forgot that Nan was on the ship, (laughs) first of all. So it's cool to see her. But any thoughts on just this showdown between uh, Saru and, and Giorgio because I thought it was fantastic acting on both ends. Yeah, I did too. It was it was awesome. Like it, 
<laughs> and, and believe it or not, maybe I need to go back and watch the finale or a couple episodes back. Uh, I just either I'm give either Saru deserves a lot of credit for keeping her in the reins. I mean, if you want to call it that, or or she's just very much more cooperative. Yeah, I think you hit it on you know on what you just said, Jonathan. I watched the last two episodes going into watching the premiere last week, and it made the some of the things that I've heard you guys say made it feel a lot more organic. That being a prime example, if you go back and you watch the two-part finale and go right into it because Giorgio had already had some of the lessening her resistance to be a part of the group where this episode to me just added to that. Can I just say how much I enjoy her character? Like, (laughs) especially like, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like just, she's just playing like, um, tough guy. Like in anime, we call that a, a a soon there. Like, they're like tough on the outside, but they're really mushy on the inside. Like she thought Michael had died, right? Her Michael did die. Yeah. So like, you know, she's just different now. Hmm. Yeah. But no less lethal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think she's, even though she's, she's, you know, in, in, in the prime timeline now, I I think she does has, um, She's 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 established herself and come down a little bit. You know that she she was working with Section Thirty One before she came back with Discovery. So maybe she's been indoctrinated a little bit to what's going on in this in this universe a little bit. And I think the Saru we're dealing with now can handle it better than a Saru we were dealing with at the beginning of last season. You know, after he lost his threat ganglia or whatever they called it, he's he's a different person now. He's he lost he's He's lost that that mentality of being afraid and scared, and he even lectures uh, Tilly on it a bit in this episode. So he's, he's definitely a different Saru, you know, even down to the fighting we see later on. Um, so yeah, I, that that dynamic between those two, I just thought was great, and I want to see more of it. Now, Carrie, uh, real quick, Carrie, I got a shout out to you because you mentioned. Uh, Giorgio did exactly what you said in the last episode. So, so you mentioned that that other black guy nobody knows his name. <laughs> so when she's talking to Tilly about the communications assembly, she referred to Bryce as that at that what's his name guy. Carrie hit it on the nose. Carrie hit it on the nose. Oh, y'all. <laughs> so good. But Cal, he, did get, he did get a lot of screen time in this episode, though. Oddly enough, he did. I'm, I'm happy, man. We got so much screen time from uh, people that got little or no fanfare in last season. And, you know, I think we got a lot of Wasakan in last season. We got a little bit of Detmer, but other than that, not much of anybody else other than Arium. So I'm glad we're getting to see a lot more of these other cr- uh, bridge crew that we haven't, you know, seen a lot of so far. So I really hope they continue in that vein. And yeah, I, I really like what they're doing so far with that. And my favorite of this episode was all of the what's her name, Jet? Yeah, Jet. Yeah, like her her little quippy comments. I, I enjoyed this entire episode. Yeah, that whole back and forth was awesome between mm-hmm. them, and you can tell like they they. They they're still acting like they hate each other, but you can tell. Like I can tell by the end of the season, they're going to be good buddies. 
yeah. You talking about Jet and uh, Stamets? Yeah. See, uh, see, that's the part I uh, we can talk yeah. about it because th- this is the part I felt that was disconnected, and I really just hate it. And I, I, I'm taking off a whole point for the, all of the sequence they had together. And and it's not so much in their interactions. I thought their interactions were still fun, like you guys said. But I think it wasn't very becoming of her to bait him into going into into the Jeffries tube when he obviously wasn't ready. I just feel like that wasn't a good look for her character to bait him into going, you know, well, testing his manhood basically <laughs> to get into we, the Jeffries tube. I, <laughs> well, we take that two different ways. Like I saw it as her like prodding him, poking him to get help him get his swag back. Like that's what it was to me. Like I feel like she was trying to help him get his confidence back because he was obviously shook. But that's just how I took it. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I don't. That's that particular sequence I don't think was out of the norm for her character at all. And as Carrie said, I think it was just her way of building his confidence because she did. I mean, I don't think she expected him to go either. She knew she couldn't go because her back is screwed up. But she did say, well, let's just, you know, when she got through her crystal, like, let's just get whatever their uh, name is to come go in there for you. I think she was. It's just like if LeBron James have a hurt ankle. Ooh, you won't get out there and play me. You won't get out there. And play. Of course, he's going to get out there and play. He's LeBron James. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think she was being malicious, though. I really don't. Like, I just felt like she because, I mean, she didn't even have to go with him. Like, if she was true to her character and just really didn't like him, she wouldn't even went with him. She would have just let him go by herself or sent somebody else to go with him. So I I felt like she was acting within her character uh, as somebody who was warming up to this other person. You know, their whole relationship up to this point has been really standoffish. So, like, I don't know. I, I just I didn't see that seen the same way yeah and don't get me wrong I, I like i like seeing work seeing them work together and i like the camaraderie between them because they're like polar opposite engineers you know but i just felt that she unnecessarily baited him to go in. i'm more thinking and i think I'm, i i may know where your problem with the scene came from clarence and i think it may be the same problem i had it was like they were using this scene for two purposes and one of being what you guys just talked about the other being another reason to say oh well look you you know Stamets and Hugh are back together again woohoo you know and it, it seemed like they were trying to play both angles with that scene and to me it just didn't feel quite organic yeah. Now, I, I will agree with you, Carrie and John. It definitely gave him confidence after he completed the mission. You know, um, I, I do feel like he's better off having done it. But again, I just don't like how he got into the Jeffrey Stoop to do it. it. I don't know. It felt a little grade school to me a little bit. Hmm. But let's go ahead and journey toward the colony. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about how um, Saru gave Tilly uh, extra bit of confidence by saying that, you know, he, he kind of helped her with her fear of going on this away mission and, you know, pretty much th- saying that he needs her. She's the right woman for the job. And if you watch the ready room for this episode, they pretty much talked about how these two characters are going to be kind of parent mentor type relationship for the rest of the season. So I think this was definitely a great start to that. And I can't see, can't wait to see more of that throughout the rest of the season. So I thought that was a good way to lay that foundation. So they make first or they try to make first contact. And we wind up in this saloon question mark. (laughs) So 
somebody want to take them going with this Western vibe quite literally in this episode with even swinging doors, bar the whole nine yards, even from the way they shot the beginning of it. Anybody want to dive into that a little bit? So I, I mentioned at the beginning of this, like I got a whole Firefly feeling because for anyone who doesn't know, if you're listening, it's more than likely, you know what Firefly is. But it's, you know, a sci-fi feature, but kind of set with a Western style, Western tone to it. Like, I would expect them to walk into a bar with swinging doors that's controlled by, like, air shocks or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Like, even down to the guy that come in, souring, like, he walks in with spurs on. <laughs> but, <laughs> so good. That was amazing. Like, I, it took... That was not what I was expecting. So, you know, they're walking up to it and you see like this. I guess that was been. Was it a transporter or maybe a force field? Yes, some kind of transporter gate to get to the door. Yeah. And I'm expecting them to go into like a, a just like a, a place that will be up with the times, like, a you know, like a building or something. And man, it's just, it was awesome to me. I, I loved it. I loved it. Like I did not expect it. I and I really appreciated the twist. Well, especially when you think of this colony that's out there. Um, I think they said mining, col- mining colony that's kind of out yeah. there on the fringes. Um, yeah, just definitely well done. And it seems like when we've had Western, I mean, literal, literal Western themes in other Star Trek episodes, it's either been a holodeck or I think on the TOS episode, I can't remember that episode, but it was some alien uh, playing around in Kirk's imagination or something. Yeah. And it seems like there was another one. Was it an Enterprise episode? So like there was one more episode somewhere where they like played around literally with the Western theme. It was so awesome to see him like Saru walks in and it's like, like you're watching an old Western movie, like a stranger walks in and everybody stops and looking. <laughs> the bartender's like slowly wiping to make you seem like he's not watching. And like everybody has guns drawn under the tables, like it's about to be a shootout in there. Man, that was awesome. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it. it definitely played on those tropes. Like, oh, you you want to do that? You want to do that? Um, Zor, what's the name? Zila, Zara, 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 Zara is going to come get you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Does anybody else have comments? Uh, Carrie, John, Jeremy. Oh, just right. definitely got the Firefly vibes. Um. I just think it's funny that the future of Star Trek is dingy and dirty. You know, like <laughs> it's almost as if their writers are saying Star Trek can be dingy and dirty too. We're not all clean and <laughs> sterile. And, um, just both of these episodes, I got a real like, even the last episode, even though it was like kind of, they kind of hit you over the head within this episode, it they they both seem kind of fireflies now that I think about it. You're right. Huh. Yeah, true story. But I like the fact that it's not all pristine and wonderful and all glory to the enterprise or federation, et cetera. Completely agree. Any comments, Jeremy? Um, I think everybody pretty much said it. I mean, I, I I enjoy the, I've, I'll go ahead and say this and, you know, you can say what you will. I have not completed Firefly. I've seen a few episodes. Don't look at me like that, Jonathan. Get out. Shame (laughs) on you. (laughs) Jeremy, neither Um, have I. Watch Firefly, then watch Serenity. Right, but I do I do enjoy the the Western feel that this has. I mean, it's I'm not a big Western fan, but I enjoy the the the, the almost the back to basics feeling that we have. 
where the future is not all like he was saying, sterile and, you know, bright and shiny and gleaming. Yeah, it, it definitely went back back to basics, took the complication out of the equation and, you know, just uh, stereotypical in a lot of ways. But that made it fun. We're not on the holodeck. This is a real thing happening for these people with real consequences. So I really enjoyed that. And then Zara, um, typical bad guy, a-hole. Um, now, I was surprised when he was talking about, you know, he kind of figured out that the ship, that discovery came from the past. But he never mentions tachyons. He he says gra- gamma rays, gravitational waves, you know, wormhole. But I thought they would have thrown the word tachyon in there somewhere because it seems like every time in Star Trek when time travel is mentioned, tachyon is thrown around. Yeah, it is. That is, I, I didn't think about that and I didn't notice that. But no one, I don't think anyone has said anything about tachyons. Maybe not even in the last season. No. Hmm. Well, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's because they're going through a wormhole. Mm. So most time you hear tachyons, it wasn't really because of a wormhole. It was like artificial time, like yeah. man-made time travel. So speaking of time travel, how many years has it been since time travel has been outlawed in this timeline or you know in the future? I'm thinking a few hundred, maybe. So maybe you know the the concept since it's so far removed 300 years that the terminologies of time travel kind of are fallen out of the, at that time, you know, the, the verbiage, the, the, the culture, the talking culture, whatever I'm trying to say. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I have somewhat a hard time thinking that this colony, you know, marooned on this planet with this tech, this obviously awesome technology that we see they have, can't get off the planet or can't, you know, replicate or build something that, to get off the planet. It just seems kind of hard to even uh, get that in my head. You know, as for Discovery, not having a backup communications uh, array to to make, you know, they have this one part. If this one part goes down, you know, probably obviously others went down, too, but they don't say that. They just act like this one thing is keeping them from making communication. So I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. And I also find it interesting how we have this criminal saying the burn is the best thing ever happened to him. You know, it's sort of like <laughs> when, when, you know, investors take advantage of, you know, a stock, you know, they, what's what they got short the stock and, you know, they make a bunch of money or bitten on bad or however you want to say it. It's just like, yeah, you're, you're right. The burn. Kind of made you somebody. <laughs> and can, can I, if I may interject, can I just say how hilarious it is for a st- show whose whose initials are STD, the, <laughs> the most significant cataclysmic event in the entire series is called The Burn? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that is an unfortunate coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Feel the burn. <laughs> Yeah, somebody needs to make a meme and put it on YouTube. The burn. What's the burn? The burn. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> you have uh, a picture of Bernie Sanders in the background. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. i tell you what my favorite Zern moment. Maybe I'm jumping a little ahead, but you know what Saru says? I will not let this tyranny stand. He said, yeah, well, and here it is standing. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that character, and I, I'm 
pretty sure we won't see him again. But oh, he'll be back. You think? He'll be back. Yeah. There was no reason not to kill him unless they were going to bring him back. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. I will kill your whole family. <laughs> you know, speaking of Firefly, you know what they remind me of? This is big about the differences between Firefly and Star Trek Discovery. So this speech he gave before the guy lets him go, there's a scene in Firefly where this guy threatens Mal. He was like, I will torture you and I will kill you. And Mal just kicks him into like the turbine. of his. his, his <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> And this guy's like, I'll let you go. And that's, I immediately thought about that when he started threatening him. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. He don't play. He don't play, man. And that's another yeah. show we forget that that show was pretty funny to be a pretty serious, you know, yeah. space western. It had a bunch of funny moments in it, you know. Yeah, it did. Huh. But seriously, like, if you haven't seen Firefly, go watch it. Like, yeah, Definitely. watch yeah. it. It's only 13 episodes. It's not going to take up most of your life. And then there's a movie, but okay, I'm done. Well, it's going to ruin your life because you're going to get to the 13th episode and it destroys you emotionally. <laughs> that is no more. Best theme song ever? Uh, only second behind <laughs> the Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I love the theme song for Firefly. Come on. I mean, I, I like it too, but it's 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 just as campy as the Enterprise thing. Take my alarm, take my land. Take my... Oh, I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just from hearing that, it's not as bad as Enterprise. <laughs> oh, wow. You can't take the sky from me, man. It's great. <laughs> oh, Lord. Let's not start. <laughs> Anybody want to talk about Giorgio's triumphant saving of Saru and Tilly? Best oh, moment of the entire thing. The only thing I didn't like about that was there was no there was no reason for them to add a scene with the girl. Where, where's Giorgio? Like... Oh, I thought she was with you. Like, just let it be a surprise. Like, yeah. let us be surprised to see her getting thrown into the saloon. Like, that would have been that would have had so much more impact if we would have just saw her getting thrown in. But I don't know. Yeah, they kind of telegraphed it too much. I, I think her running off with Linus was enough to let us know that maybe she wasn't <laughs> actually oh, fixing oh, yeah. EPS conduits. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, cause, cause she made a comment about Linus being able to see this through a certain spectrum. So I'm wondering, did she use him to spy on what was going on and then got herself captured? I don't think he can see that far off. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I do feel like she has an ulterior motive, motive with him. Like, and maybe we'll see that further out. I don't think it had anything to do with this particular episode. I don't know. I just think she just used him to get away. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It definitely worked. But man, her when she when he threw her in there, like I was like, oh yeah, that that's that's what's you guys are going down right now. Yeah, I was like, it's over when I saw yeah, her. Really. She's such a badass, man. Oh my goodness, Michelle Yeoh is awesome. I just want to sit and watch her fight all day. <laughs> She said, what oh, you man. call pain, I call foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Hey, well, we got to give props to uh, Tilly in this little sequence. And even before that, but, you know, and Saru mentioned it, which, again, was another obvious setup. But, you know, he mentioned the reason why he brought her along, because she's a perfect first impression. Like, and he, she pretty much saved him from Kyle blasting him by quoting a 
random star Starfleet regulation that nobody else would have known word for word. So yeah, yeah, that that was like, awesome. Yeah, like you want an example of Starfleet? There you go. That's it. And then also, I think Saru was exactly right. If you're, I mean, if they would have been bad guys, it would have been not been good for them. But the fact that Tilly looks very much non-threatening actually helped them right. in that situation too. So. Now, I tell you, it did get on my nerves this episode with her her speech. Like, she's just babbling kind of. I, I, I agree with Giorgio. Like, God, form a complete thought. Sentence. But I think that was just right al- along with her character. She yeah. is naturally what we saw last episode with a drug-induced Burnham. That's just totally naturally. Right. Mm. I mean, I get it. It just... It's For me, watching the show, it was hard to watch that part because <laughs> I'm really interested in what she's saying. And she just, I just keep in my head, I keep like, just spit it out. Like too many ums and well, well uh, uh, and stutter and stop. And it was annoying. Yeah. My hope by the end of the season that they will like make her a little more confident. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Uh, but at this point, she should start to be a little more confident in herself. Like even when they're in that conversation with her, Nan, Saru, and Giorgio. So Joe just pretty much just insults her and she like doesn't know what to do about it. She like freaks out a little bit, you know, until she starts that. What the? Yeah. <laughs> stops her. Yeah. So she should be coming a little bit more confident in herself um, this season. I would hope she will. She will. Cal's favorite character will develop. <laughs> so. So, of course, of course, they make friends with the one remaining survivor of of this um, altercation. And, you know, um, they get this site to site transport and get back to get back to Discovery, try to get off before. Well, let's talk about the parasitic ice. Oh, do we think that's a good science fiction concept to throw in Discovery? I, I rather liked it. But any thoughts? Yeah. And I feel like we've seen that before. Maybe not. Uh, maybe, well, I've seen it before and I don't know if it was Trek or somewhere else, but I've heard I've seen or something about parasitic ice and I may not have called it that scientifically. I don't know how to explain it, but. I don't know. I thought that was the campiest part of the whole episode. I mean, I I didn't have like a huge problem with it, but it was just like, come on, really? Ice? Yeah, but see, I didn't find it. I didn't find it campy. I actually, that's the part that, you know, I said at the beginning, I found something creepy. That was what I found creepy. Just the concept of parasitic ice. It's just like we go on and on on the show sometimes or podcast sometimes about things just being completely unrealistic. Like that's by far probably one of the most unrealistic things yeah it you know like ice ice is made of water and this is basically ice creating itself or expanding or whatever it's doing but it was it's just i don't know yeah obviously with microbes or something else in it you know i don't think just ice itself but but from from my point of view it's, it's a direct analog to was it episode three or two episode three of discovery when burnham is in the transport and the transport gets attacked by some microbe that's destroying the hole. And then just like Burnham saved the discovery in this episode, Lorca saves Burnham with the discovery in almost a the same exact fashion. It's like the same exact yeah. picture. If you go back and look at it with the, with the ship coming like an angel out of heaven to save it from its peril. Um, <laughs> I mean, just almost a shot for shot, the same scene and the same situation that leads up to it. You know, the, the, that the microbes or whatever that's um that's tearing away at the hole. So I don't know. I, I liked it. 
So any thoughts on Burnham coming to save the day as the ship is in peril? Was it expected? Not re- So my initial expectations was it was the cow's friend or something like it got Zayers or however you say his name ship and came back to help him was my expectation. Yeah, that would have made sense. To me, I think it was just a little predictable. It was cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it gave me the chill bumps and that was kind of cool, but it was kind of predictable at the same time. Honestly, I could have took it or left it. It really didn't do much for me either way. I mean, I can't say that I was surprised, but I, I mean, I wasn't bothered by it. Yeah. I kind of, I was kind of hoping for something a little different, but, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like bagel bites. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll eat them, but it's not necessarily my favorite thing in the world. Mm. Yeah, I, I really wish they would have not had Burnham in this episode at all. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been... I think it would have been more impactful to see him meet up in the next episode rather than her being their savior. Again, that that message of hope. She's their hope. Burnham is their hope to get out of the situation. Or leave it in a cliffhanger. You know, still have it be Burnham, but but leave it with, you know, um, you know, they're hailing us and then, you know, they say respond and then it goes off. Yeah. 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 It was a little bit too wrapped up and bold to me. Yeah, I think they could have. I think they could have pushed it off another episode. But you know, it was cool to see that. I think the the the, the information that has been a year of her searching was good information. Yeah, at least they didn't drag that out. Like I was worried that they were going to drag this out to like half the season, and I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, that's that was my concern last episode that they didn't do the Spock thing to us. Hey, so I, I do want to mention, so the thing I thought uh, Kyle may like, and maybe because I'm not a Who fan, I, the reference is probably too easy for me to get, but the multi-tools damage used to open the compartment. Did uh, it look like, like a it, Sonic? Don't get them started. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't notice that. <laughs> She's like, use yeah, your multi-tools. The and he pulled it out. I mean, I hadn't seen a lot of Doctor Who, and I don't know exactly what the Sonic Screwdriver is, but I get the basis of it. And that was the first thought I had. So, and then she called it a multi-tool. So, <laughs> so, so um, Jonathan, if you need something to do something and you need it to be a plot device, that's the Sonic Screwdriver. I <laughs> gotcha. Well, then that's what that was. Because I've never heard of, I've never heard of multi tool in trick. Like I've never heard an engineer say, "Hand me the multi tool." I think yeah. that was just a cop out to keep from having to come up with a tool or explain why this tool is being used. You know, usually they say they need a EPS coupler or a, I don't know. You know what I mean? They just say, "Here, use the multi tool." Like <laughs> it can do everything. Just, <laughs> you're right. But now, you you know, they did look like they were reversing the polarity. So, you know, who knows? And usually when they have like a panel to open in Star Trek, even in future time, they just like pull it off. They don't right. just like use the tool to like unhinge the the the, cu- the 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 binding and pull it off that way. Like it was a little laser came out of it and like yeah. cut. And we didn't mention uh, Saru's. I didn't see this. Saru's little defense mechanism he had. Yeah, like he shot the little spurs off the side of his head. What's the opposite of threat ganglia? That's what that was. <laughs> Attack ganglia. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's you know we learned in in last season that that's the Kelpian natural evolution to become predators. 
uh, at a certain point, you know, that's why the Bayou were keeping them on lockdown. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was interesting to see him start to embrace that a little bit more. And, you know, we were dealing with a different Saru. I know we talked about last season on how this would affect him, you know, how he would change. So far, so good. <laughs> Have any of you ever seen Kung Fu Legend Continues? I with David Carradine, Saru love- fighting reminded me of David Carradine fighting in that TV show, where it's just like <laughs> he's fighting slow and people are like flying over to the other side of the room. Like that's yeah. completely what that reminded yeah. me of. Yeah, at one point he like grabs a guy's head and just pushes him to the bar. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but we know he's already like supposed to be so much stronger than a human anyway. Yeah, it's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that show, man. That was a great show. Yeah. And we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. I just want to mention real quick. I love like the, the, it's the word I'm looking for, the difference in how the discovery is viewed 930 years later. <laughs> you know, in the past, it was like this experimental science vessel top of the line. And like they're in the future now and they're just calling it a piece of junk. <laughs> Basically. It's antique. Yeah, antique. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, no, it still looks cool, <laughs> but it's a new piece of junk. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> also, the fact that it's not in any of the records, because, you know, as we saw at the end of last season, they 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 removed it from all records. So no one would know about the sport drive or entity data. So I thought hmm. that was pretty cool as well. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with you, Cal. What do you rate far from home? I'm going to give it 4.65. I don't know where that comes from uh, (laughs) other than I don't want to give it a five because I think part one was a little stronger, but I ultimately had fun and I enjoyed it and it left me wanting to go back to the third one. So four point, you know what? I'm going to go up 4.75. So 4.75 final answer. All right. Jeremy, what do you what do you rate this episode, man? Well, we didn't nitpick it to death to make me uh, not like stuff I like to begin with, so I'm going to stick with my original uh, four point five. Oh wow, you guys are giving these high ratings, Jonathan. What do you think, man? Um, man, I'm about to say this in my view, in my view was I same rating as last time five. Wow, you guys are on another level, Carrie. What do you think, man? Okay, so first off, I'm going to revise my my rating from last week. Okay. Um, I gave it the last week episode of three and a half. I'm going to bump it up to a four. And the only reason I'm bumping it up to a four is because I'm also rating this episode a four. And the reason why I'm giving them both the same rating is that you can't, like to me, these these both of these episodes go hand in hand together. Because, I mean, you can say that episode one was quote unquote better, but there was a lot less, there were a lot less plates to spin in the first episode. It was just Michael and Book. Like, that's pretty much it, you know? You're just following her the whole time. Lots of fan service. And in, words, in this episode, there were a lot more characters to handle. Um, not that there were more p- plot lines, because there really weren't, but there was a lot more people that they had to focus on. And I felt like they did a really good job of focusing on, you know, all of the minor characters, giving them a little bit of shine. And I hope that that's kind of the direction going forward. Not that I want, not that I want like a hundred plot lines flying around because we know that, but we all know that I don't. But I feel like 
that you can, you know, have the single narrative, which they just did, and which is why one reason why I like this episode so much. There was pretty much a single narrative the entire episode, but they still took the time in the writing. You know, this wasn't a showpiece episode where there was lots of booms and explosions going off and, you know, you didn't have a five minute CGI sequence to rival a Marvel movie. But they did a lot of time. They spent a lot of time with the characters. And I really, really enjoy this. But I still enjoy this episode a little more than the first one, simply because, you know, we got to see what everybody is doing, you know, as opposed to just one character. Not that I have a problem with that because, you know, Michael's awesome, but I just. It was cool to see what everybody was up to, you know, four four. Cool. And as for me, uh, I think I'm going to give this a four to a four as well. I ultimately think the Stamets storyline was just a big letdown to me. It's parts of it I really love, but I just think the last Jeffrey Tube scene was enough to make me want to just knock it down a bit because it just. I don't think it made any sense for him to be in that Jeffrey's tube after having just had a cellular regeneration thing, you know, mere minutes ago. You know, it probably was a lot longer than that, but it felt like minutes. Uh, I just think that it, that part of the, the episode ultimately fell down, in my opinion. But everything else was just top notch across the board. The Western vibe, the crash, Saru being an Excellent captain, acting captain, and, and also Giorgio, um, you know, Michelle Yeoh, she was kicking tail. So how can you hate that? And even even the, the guy playing Jari, I thought he was he was great as well. So, yeah, I, I'll drop it at a four, man. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So if, if nothing else, we'll go around the horn and get everybody see what everybody has been working on, watching, listening to podcast related or otherwise. And let's start with you, Carrie. What's up, man? Okay, I have a parting gift, and um, I don't know how many of you guys know this about me, but I'm a huge like martial arts, uh, like um, kung fu action movie. Like I'm really big into anime too, but I was like an enormous Jackie Chan fan in the '90s. And um, there's an essential if you if you've never seen Michelle Yeoh in like a, a an action movie, I highly recommend you Netflix or Amazon, whatever you have, or however you can find it, check out Super Cop. It's Michelle Yeoh and Jackie Chan, and she does some insane stuff in this movie. Like, there's this one scene where she's fighting on a bus, and there's another bus coming, and she's on the side of the bus. So in order to, to get out of the way of the bus, like, she does a handstand, like, right as the bus is about to hit her. Like, there's all kinds of crazy stuff in oh, that wow. movie. Um, a quintessential Jackie Chan film as well, but also a quintessential Michelle Yeoh movie. Um, also... Um, one of my other favorite movies was actually the first DVD I ever bought, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, she's in that movie as well, if you haven't seen it. Um, there's some amazing sword fights. Like, one of the showpieces of the entire movie is this huge sword fight between her and the main character. Um, it's amazing. It's like a, it's like an experience versus youth fight. It's amazing yeah. if you haven't seen that movie either. Uh, definitely check those two movies out. Yeah, and what was that first suggestion again? Super Cop. Super Cop. Um, yeah, yep. I think I think I've seen it, but it's been some years. So I, I think I'm going to revisit that one. Michelle Yeoh is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, she's been doing it in a long time, too, man. Jeremy, what about you, man? Podcast later otherwise. Um, I started watching um, Fresh Off the Boat, which I don't know. It's it's about a Asian family who moves from Washington, D.C. to Miami, Florida in their trials and tribulations. It's a, it's a comedy <laughs> and it's really funny. Um, but that's really all I got. Besides work and failing at dog training horribly. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you, man? 
so hadn't really had a whole lot of time to watch anything other than, of course, DS9. I'm kind of going through the whole Vic episode, so that's amazing, man. I uh, got to get on DS9. And I started another series today, and I'll let you know how it goes. It seems to be all right. I'm a big chess person. I like to play chess. I may not be the greatest chess player, but I've always loved it. Uh, so there's a Netflix series out um, called Queen's Gambit, and it's about this nine-year-old girl that was an orphan, and she's a great becomes a great chess player. Anyway, it seems to be pretty good. So I'll let you guys know next week how that's going. Yeah. And as for me, I'll just say, man, I know I keep saying this, but if you have HBO Max, start just watch the Studio Ghibli movies. If, if you just want to feel good about yourself, feel good about the world, I guess. Um, just just watch those movies. They're, they're, they're basically Disney movies for Japan. Am I right about saying that, Carrie? Yeah, I would agree with you, except for Princess Mononoke. That's pretty not that's yeah, it's very pretty, not Disney, but yeah. it's also my favorite Ghibli movie. But yeah, they're all great. Yeah, but but most of these are just f- mostly feel good fantasy tales that you just kind of if you just want to get away for about an hour and a half, just check them out. Uh, I recently watched The Cat Returns, Nausicaa, oh, and oh, and Ocean have, Waves. Have you seen Whisper of the Heart? Wisp that might be on my list. That's the prequel to Cat Returns. You should have watched that one first. The girl, the girl in Whisper of the Heart. This is kind of a spoiler, but not really. You've seen Cat Returns. That's the story she writes in Whisper of the Heart. Is it's about that cat. So, oh, interesting. All right, I'll quit gushing over Studio Ghibli. Um, yeah. So if you're listening, you made this far. Again, please check us out on any and all the social medias at Discussing Trek. Hit us up at fans at discussingtrek.com. And that's about it, guys. What did you think about this episode? Far from home. What did you think? Write in and let us know. So until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Discussing Network.